Chapter Twelve of A Mysterious Disappearance by Louis Tracy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Carolyn. Who Corbett was. Inexorable fate is a favorite phrase with the makers of books, but fate, being feminine according to the best authorities, is also somewhat fickle in disposition. Not only is she not invariably inexorable but at times she delights to play with her poor subjects, to dazzle them with surprise, as it were, to stupefy them with the sense of their sheer inability to foresee or understand her vagaries. It was Bruce's turn to receive the sharpest lesson in this respect that he ever remembered. At breakfast the next morning he selected from a packet of unimportant letters one which required immediate attention. The financiers to whom he had written in conformity with his implied promise to Mr. Dodge had replied favorably with reference to the reconstruction of the Springbok mine. They informed Bruce confidentially that a thoroughly reliable man in Johannesburg, to whom they had cabled, reported very strongly in favor of the property. They would await his written statement before finally committing themselves. Meanwhile, if Messrs. Dodge, Son and Company Limited were anxious to get the business advanced a stage, there was no reason why he, Bruce, should not assure them that, subject to the first satisfactory report being confirmed, his clients would underwrite the shares. The whole thing would thus go through in about three weeks. As for Bruce himself, they proposed to give him a commission of five per cent in fully paid shares for the introduction. "'Well, I never,' he laughed. "'Now who would have thought such a thing possible?' why if that rascal dodge is right and his company is really a sound undertaking my share of the deal will be ten thousand pounds it seems wildly incredible yet my friends know what they are writing about as a rule an hour later he was in the city a smart brougham stood in front of the now thoroughly renovated offices of dodge son and company limited and out of it at the moment the barrister detached himself from the chaos of leadenhall street stepped the head of the firm he was making up the steps when claude cried hello mr dodge how is the junior partner dodge stopped focused bruce with his sharp eyes and smiled oh it is you is it the young one is all right thanks are you coming in that was my intention come along then i was hoping i would see you one of these days has business improved recently inquired bruce as they entered the inner office yes somewhat but money is very tight still however we generally look for a spurt early in the new year why do you ask no valid reason a mere hazard was it because you saw me drive up in a carriage mr dodge i never dreamt that self-consciousness was a failing of the members of the stock exchange then that was the cause i guessed it i have been making inquiries about you mr bruce and there is no use in trying to fool you not a bit have you another springbok proposition on hand no bar chiffing you were the man who ferreted out the truth about the west australian combination when everybody else had failed and now i think of it you made me talk a lot the last time you were here 
However, I am ready. Fire away. I will tell you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me— Oh, don't perjure yourself for the sake of alliteration. Besides, it is I who have come to talk this time. About Springbooks? Yes, the people I mentioned to you at my previous visit are prepared to underwrite the shares, provided that their agent's report is as favorable in its entirety as a telegraphic summary leads them to believe. Oh, that's good news. When will they be in a position to complete? As soon as they hear from South Africa by post, say, three weeks. So long, but suppose I get an offer from some other quarter in the meantime. I cannot keep the proposal open indefinitely. I have not asked you to do so, Mr. Dodge. Let me see. Three shillings per share on, say, two hundred thousand shares is thirty thousand pounds. It is a good deal of money. If anyone likes to hand you a cheque for that amount without preliminary investigation, take it by all means. The notion tickled Dodge immensely. All right, Mr. Bruce, when people of that sort turn up, we don't sell them spring books in the city. But there's no harm in you telling me your clients' names. Not in the least. They are the Anglo-African Finance Corporation. Mr. Dodge whistled. By Jove, they're the best backing I could have. This is a good turn, Mr. Bruce, and I shan't forget it. You see, we're a young firm, and association with well-known houses is good for us in every sense. I'm jolly glad now that Springbooks are all right. It would never have done for me to introduce them to a risky piece of business. I am really much obliged to you. And now, how do we stand? Kindly explain. How much come do you want? Nothing. Mr. Dodge moved his chair backward several feet in sheer amazement. Nothing, my dear sir. Nonsense. It is a big affair. Shall we say one per cent in cash or two in shares? I am not very well off just now, or... Pray don't trouble yourself. I have already secured my commission. Five per cent in fully paid shares. But the people who put up the money don't pay for the privilege as a rule. That I know quite well. This case is different. I am not, nor ever have been, a financial go-between. Didn't you come to see me about the deal in the first instance? It was Bruce's turn to hesitate. Not exactly, he said. I really wanted to know something about Mr. Corbett, and the Springbook business arose out of it. Ah, that chap Corbett. I have been thinking about him. I wonder who he can be. Anyhow, I owe him my best wishes, as the mention of his name had such excellent results. Well, that is all, said Bruce, rising. Yes, thanks. I must now see about raising the money to pay my own call. I am interested in fifty thousand shares, you know. Then you require some seven thousand five hundred pounds? Yes, but that will be easy when I can say that the Anglo-African finance people are with me. Besides, this morning— Queer you should call immediately afterwards. I have had some wholly unexpected news. Indeed. Mr. Dodge was in a talkative vein, and Bruce was in no hurry. The very best, went on Dodge gleefully. You see, there is another man in this affair with me. I thought he was as stony broke as I am myself, speaking confidentially, you know, when he suddenly writes to me saying that he had won a pot of money at Monte Carlo and could spare me two thousand pounds. What's the matter? Beastly trying weather, isn't it? Try a nip of brandy. 
for once in his life the self-possessed barrister had blanched at a sudden revelation but this was too much he felt as though a meteorite had fallen on his head nevertheless he grappled with the situation ill no he cried how stupid of me i have forgotten my morning smoke may i light a cigar with pleasure you know these try one you were saying that's all this young fellow mensmore his name is got mixed up with me over a californian mine i thought he had lots of coin so when springboks came along he and i went shares in underwriting them the public didn't feed so we were loaded i tried all i knew to get him to pay up but he absolutely couldn't and now at the very moment affairs look promising he writes offering two thousand pounds more than that he says if necessary he can get the remainder of his half one thousand seven hundred and fifty pounds from somebody where is his letter mr dodge looked on his table oh here it is addressed from yacht white heather if you please quite swell eh sir william brown that's the cave i think i will let sir william have him it's a good solid sort of name to have on the share register i would if i were you said bruce hardly conscious of his surroundings if you think so i will by jove this has been a good morning for me come and have lunch uh, no thanks i have a lot to attend to by the way where did mensmore live i don't know his address was always at the orleans club somehow bruce reached the street and handsome as the vehicle rolled off westward he crouched in a corner and tried to wrestle with the problem that befogged his brain was albert mensmore sydney h corbett was he mrs hilmer's brother the bertie she had spoken of meant albert as well as a hypothetical herbert mensmore was an old schoolfellow of sir charles dyke's in all probability he knew lady dyke as well he lived in raleigh mansions under an assumed name and quitted his abode two days after the murder every circumstance pointed to the terrible assumption that at mensmore's hands the unfortunate lady met her death and bruce had sworn to avenge her memory he laughed with savage mirth as he reflected that he himself had helped this man to escape the punishment of providence self-inflicted it was indeed pitifully amusing to think how the clever detective had used his powers to befool himself the very openness of the clue had helped to conceal it the more effectually were it not for dodge and his spring books he might have gone on indefinitely covering up the criminal's tracks by his own friendly actions the situation was maddening intolerable bruce wanted to seize the reins and float the horse into a mad gallop through the traffic as a relief to his feelings blissfully unconscious of the living volcano he carried within the cabby on the perch did not indulge in any such illegal antics he quietly drove along the embankment and delivered his seething fare at his victoria street chambers quite oblivious of commonplace affairs the barrister threw a shilling to the driver and darted out the man gazed at his majesty's image with the air of one who had never before seen such a coin it might have been a greek obolus so utter was his blank astonishment but bruce was across the pavement 
and cabby had to find words else it would be too late here governor he yelled what the bally holy do you call this what's the matter was the impatient query matter the cabman looked towards the sky to see if heavens were falling matter in a higher key as a crowd began to gather i takes him from leadenhall street to victoria he gives me a bob and asks what's the matter i'd been on the ranks for bloomin hours oh there you are and bruce threw him a half a crown before he disappeared up the steps mr white was watching for bruce's arrival he wondered why the barrister was so perturbed and resolved to strike while the iron was hot so he too vanished into the interior End of chapter 12